0: Everybody, welcome back to Fresh Out the Podcast. I am Johananon, the board game guru and game master extraordinaire.
1: I'm Casualty CDG, but you can call me Gary. I'm a retired detective turned tabletop titan and improv comedian. And this is this is my best friend Drew Munhausen. Hey, that's me. I'm uh, trying to get my
2: my uh, perfect nickname that you came up for me here. Oh, uh, my name is drew munhausen i am professional media and movie mastermind drew munhausen to all of you out there watching
1: that sounds really good it does sound really good
2: and Uh, yeah and this is episode two of fresh out the podcast our new uh, a podcast that we are doing on the Fresh Out the Box channel that talks about uh, movies, video games, comic books, whatever we feel like talking about that week. Board games, tabletop games—you know—we yeah—they you know, they have these uh the streams every week that you guys should be watching as well. And this is a chance for us to talk about some of those things kind of more off the record, behind the scenes, and other things that we like and are interested in.
1: Yeah, that's right. Last time we kind of forgot to talk about who we were. We just assumed everybody knew who we were because it's twitch.tv backslash On. But maybe you haven't seen our other projects. Uh, Every Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, Jahan and I bring you tabletop role-playing games, board games, unboxings, and whatever else comes along our way with indie games. Uh, Wednesdays right now, we're playing Savage Worlds Deadlands. We're working with people at Pinnacle Entertainment. They have been great to us. We are also playing... uh, The Expanse on Thursday nights by Green Ronin Publishing, and we just got our hands on their brand new yet-to-be-released book, Ships of the Expanse, which is soon to be printed, except that all the printers are backed up because of COVID. Yada yada, Hard covers are hard to come by right now because uh, everything is backlogged because of COVID. But the book is done. The PDF is done. The book will soon be released. It's awesome. And then Friday nights is Indie Nights, so today... Today is the 10th when you're hearing this, but you may be here live. So <clears throat> if you're here live, on the 16th, we'll be playing an indie game at like 1 or 2 p.m. Because the developer lives in the U.K. Uh, the game is about space. It's a horror game. It's, it's a constant reminder. Be- yeah, it is. The game is uh the way the rules are written, the way the description is written. is It's a constant reminder that when spacefaring becomes more profitable that companies will skimp on the cost of ships that they will skimp on the cost of life support and that basically if walmart is sending you up they're not going to put you in a luxury yacht they're going to put you in the thing that barely runs to go up there and do what you need to do and come back so the game is a reminder of how close you are to death and how little these corporations care about the spacefaring humans And we're supposed to be able to build characters and get going in 15 minutes and play this horror type of survival game. So this should be a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, I'm excited for that one. Yeah, so that's like a good taste of the kind of stuff you can expect from our regular content. Uh, Mm -hmm.
1: If you're not here live on the 30th, we'll be playing a different indie game. Uh, Tune in. That's Friday from 8 p.m. to 11 p.m. That one's called Neon Lords of the Wastelands. Very excited.
0: Uh, But yeah, this is our time to talk about all the stuff we never get to talk about uh, on stream. And we get to kind of engage with fans. If you're watching live, you can talk to us and change the podcast for everyone listening. Uh, This is the last episode. I talked about my Majora's Mask. And there it is. Uh... There it is. Uh, I 3D printed that myself. Yeah, it's pretty cool.
2: Uh, That is (laughs) really
0: cool. I just wanted to show it off. Uh, You can't see it on the radio, obviously. But yeah, uh, that was my Majora's Mask. And also, we were talking about indies, uh, indie creators, uh, that kind of thing. I feel like that's a pretty good segue uh, into, let's see here, I got it, uh, Ace Blade. Um, it is a comic book by uh, on Kickstarter now by an indie developer, and it looks really good. Uh, I I know a bit about it, and to me, it kind of looks like, um,
1: So like, yeah. There is a there is a trailer there is on a trailer. Kickstarter. If you want to pull up the trailer, it's that's a thing. Can we do that? Is that a thing we can do? That is a thing I can do. That might be kind of cool.
0: Although I typed in Kickstarter on Kickstarter, and
1: so that's a weird thing to do. Yeah, that doesn't happen that way. I've seen uh, I've seen Tony play trailers and stuff on there before, so I think that's a thing that we can do. Oh yeah, and show I can play up. right now. Uh, I'm gonna watch it. Oh. that's fine.
3: up everybody it's your boy Danny J quick and I'm here to talk to you about the fifth installment of our superhero comic book series Ace Blade, the man and this himself. is called villain season okay I've been writing comic books for about ten years now and sometimes it can get a little <laughs> bit frustrated and that's where Ace Blade is right now he's frustrated he's been doing this for almost a year sometimes I think we just aren't where we're supposed to be in the self-publishing journey sometimes you know, we see things online that makes us mad. Sometimes we have setbacks. That's where Ace Blade is right now. So at this point, he's been fighting crime in Vegas City for almost a year. And he doesn't feel like he's made the impact that he wants to at this point. Yes, he's done some good things. He can see where he's saved people and he's helped out in the city, but there's still so much to do. And he's just kind of worn down at this point. Ace Blade doesn't have any superpowers, so fighting people like blackjack and Hammer Hands and roulette and gutshot over and over and over again is kind of wearing down on him and he's starting to get to that edge where he's just like Ugh! then at the same time in his real life he's got to worry about paying the bills um crime fighting ain't cheap and uh <laughs> as a business <laughs> owner myself i can relate to ace blade having to deal with uh paying a bill and also wanting to do the things that he wants to do so this book is a 36-page special edition. So it's a ten-dollar book, but we also have four variant covers, and we might add a fifth. Of Man, the artwork down the line.
1: So we also cool. have hats,
3: T-shirts. Yeah, stickers, I like that stylized, uh, uh, the
1: dark shadows that the, people the, people the, people I don't know what it's called. I'm not an artist, but the kind of sketched out of things for line, the gradient shadows are cool if like them. on the faces, anyways. One of the villains. If you're
3: a fan of roulette or blackjack or Hammerhand, all right, uh, you can get a sticker for those guys too. So, again, thank you for watching. Uh, please share with your comic book loving friends, and I will see you next time.
0: Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, that was the man himself, uh, Mr. Quicks. Uh, I met him on TikTok. Uh, no. we, Danny Danny Quick, uh, we are TikTok friends. So that's cool. Uh, but So it's, it's an indie comic book. Uh, it it kind of seems to me like uh, what, what I said about it was it looks like Batman got hit by an anime stick. Uh, And I stand by that. I stand by that. Uh, It looks really cool. I love the art style. Uh, It's also, uh, it's important uh, in this day and age to support black creators uh, and any developers in general. Uh, So I'm happy to use our platform to do so. Uh, Very, very happy to do that. Uh, Mr. Quicks was in the chat earlier uh, tonight and, uh, well, last episode, and he was talking with us about, like, his thoughts on Black Widow, that kind of thing. Uh, very nice guy. Uh, he's getting blown up right now by, uh, the creator of Black Sands Publishing. Uh, if you don't know what that is, it is an app that is currently out doing the Marvel and DC comic book apps. It's one of the, the, uh, biggest comic apps out there right now, and it is a black platform for black creators for black comics. uh, very cool stuff there. You can get a lot of cool content on there for free, uh, and just kind of read their stuff, getting their stuff out there. Uh, their flagship is Black Sands, which is uh, uh, black people in kind of like an Egyptian setting uh, with with crazy powers, and it's very cool. Uh, and Ace Blades definitely feels at home on uh, uh, in that in that vein. I know that they're friends as well.
1: I decided I figured out what Ace Blade reminds me of. Do tell. You said Batman beat with an anime stick. I don't think you're wrong. I think that's a great description. What I see is Deadshot meets Luke Cage. Okay, okay. it's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, it's not a bad take. Yeah, because it definitely has that uh, that uh, on-the-streets uh, hero style That's exactly thing, right. Like Daredevil, it's- Luke Cage...
1: A uh, hero on the of... sidewalk, and he, uh, it's exactly yeah. right. He's kind of got that, uh, the dead shot vibe where right now he's not a mercenary right now. He seems like he is a young hero starting his game. And by the time he becomes a full blown hero to the point where he's on legendary status, I mean, right now he's going from a street fight to presumably Vegas based on that trailer. So he's going from small time to bigger time, and he'll probably go from Vegas to New York. And, you know, from New York, you start going crime syndicates across the world. So he could really become yeah, a dead. It's very a uh, lot of fun. Mm-hmm. It sure it just, does. It's
0: just getting started out. You can check it out on Kickstarter. Uh, they are fully funded. So if you do back, you will get your rewards. Uh, and they have all kinds of things like stickers and that kind of stuff uh, that you can also get to help show your support.
2: Uh, and I just wanted to make sure that we talked about Isplit. Today. congratulations ace plate that's awesome exciting when it gets fully funded like that and that you uh you know you know you're gonna get the bang for your buck automatically that's awesome
0: yeah i know i know because uh, i
2: looked at the history
0: and i know that some of his projects haven't hit the marks a couple times earlier and but but he just kept at it very uh a lot of perseverance uh and he has i believe three funded projects now uh and that's very cool congratulations to you uh, and, yeah, I'm glad that we got to, to show off your stuff on stream. Uh, that can also bring us to uh, the next Kickstarter that I wanted to talk about, if you guys are cool with it.
1: Yes, go that's forward. right. You've uh, got Kickstarters. Yes. Yeah, let, so, me, let me click over to Kickstarter so I can follow along here.
0: Uh, so, Volfurian Guilds, uh, I'm very excited for. 26 days to go on that one. Uh, And it is an expansion for the game Vulfurion, which is a two-player game from an Italian company, uh, which is, you know, unique to say the least. And it's uh, based on MythSea, the MythSea series. And it's a really cool, it's, it's, uh, the original game is designed specifically for two players. It's a deck builder, uh, and where you're trying to destroy each other's cities, uh, and it's very fun. You can unleash the power of Althurian to destroy people's cities, uh, and I'm very excited for this expansion. It looks dope, uh, and you can get the original game through this Kickstarter as well. So I do recommend anyone. This is this gets my personal recommendation uh, when it comes to board games and the like. This is well, on my list. You- looks super cool.
1: I hate to bring the the mood down but what are you what are your thoughts on the high shipping prices being here to stay uh, uh due to last year's shortages and now yeah. i mean now board games are going to cost more to get from that and this is a real problem in our community yeah. in our community i say in the in the board games in the online board game and card game community now getting things shipped internationally is going to be a huge pain in the ass but a lot of small tabletops and a lot of small zines come out of the U.S. So that market won't be as hurt as, say, a small independent Italian card game company that has to ship overseas fees. That is going to really fucking hurt them if they don't get the same kind of support. Yes. Um, so, so what are your thoughts on that?
0: Uh, I don't know about either of you, but I back. This is my addiction. I back a lot of Kickstarters. Uh, first Kickstarter I'd ever bo- uh, backed was Nemesis uh, by Awakened Realms. Uh, and I got such a high quality return on my money. I, I just, I, I keep doing it. I keep doing it. I'm not, I'm, I'm very seldom disappointed. Um, it, it's a cool way for people to get things funded and you find the fans and you get their money and you make your thing. It's cool. Uh, but yeah, so that's a big problem in the community right now. I believe that friend of the show, Tony Vicinda, uh, over at plus one EXP was talking about this very issue on Twitter the other day. Um, the high shipping prices do seem like they're here to stay, and it, it's it's really going to affect a lot of these games. Uh, I know that a lot of them are going to be hurt with their uh, bottom line coming up. I am currently waiting on like twelve games. Uh, I'm not I'm not exaggerating either. I have thousands of dollars of board games on a boat somewhere, um, <laughs> and one day one day I'll get them. But you know I don't. You know, I haven't been complaining yeah. to the company. I understand. You know, I- whichever
1: Tom Hanks is on the castaway island that gets your board <laughs> game
0: is gonna be
1: so fucking stoked. I'm gonna get it twenty years from now <laughs> unopened. He's going to bring it to you all opened in 30 years. He's going to have a beard all the way down to his waist. He's going to be all tanned and crinkled. He's going to apologize and return your games. He's going to thank you for how much they meant to him. He's going to become our new best friend. Yeah, and horses. it does say
2: it is it is for one to four players, so he would be able to play it by himself. Is that right?
1: Yeah, he would this, not, game, not this game does other, have solo. Other people. He could also oh. play it with Wilson.
0: Uh, solo modes have gained a lot of popularity lately. Uh, given the pandemic, people wanted more uh, single-player games so that they could play by themselves because, you know, everyone was stuck at home. Uh, And that has
1: bled over into the tabletop game community, and there are literally DM-less games where the book plays your adventure for you, you just make decisions and follow along, and there's also, like, uh, two players where it's, you know, you and a friend can play without a GM, and you both play out of a book together at the same time. So, games have come a long way, just the pandemic was really a creative spark. It really was.
2: If if these games are single-player appropriate, can we officially say they get the castaway seal of approval? And that could
1: be that, that <laughs> I, terminology. Look, forward. man, Absolutely. I have never been castaway, so I, I'm not going to tread over the line of what gets a castaway seal of approval.
0: I think the, the solution is for these people to send uh, me board games and Ooh. then send me to um, a desert island.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And film it And I think that could be a a good Amazon series Johanna not stuck alone I don't know. You know Let's make our own Kickstarter for that There you go I'll well, do it I, I'll, I'll, I'll do it I promise.
1: We could shoot a pilot in my backyard And pretend you're cast away in the woods <laughs> I'm just
0: playing board games
1: outside And I'm really hungry We just keep shooting it from different angles to make it look like (laughs) you're out in the woods. I roll the dice and then I... Find your own food, cook over a fire.
0: I roll the (laughs) dice, I jump over the board because I see a squirrel and I just start eating it raw.
1: Yeah, I'd watch that. We should shoot this pilot if nothing else just for comedic value. (laughs) Uh,
0: And then the other Kickstarter that I would like to talk... Well, there's two. Uh, Board game-wise... It is another expansion for another game that I also backed on Kickstarter that was fantastic. Uh, it's called Villagers, and it is a very fun board game. Uh, I believe also has a single-player mode. And right now, they have the uh, Kickstarter for Shifting Seasons, an expansion for Villagers. Uh, Villagers is one of my favorite card games. It's really good. Uh, and the story is, like, you're trying to rebuild your village after the Black plagues ravage the world so uh it's also topical uh <laughs> and it's affordable this company they uh, Sinister Fish they make uh it's not a very big box you get high quality components uh and it's affordable it's a good price good value and I definitely I've backed this one personally myself as
1: well so it looks like the game is to me not knowing anything as much about board games as you it looks like they have high quality cards. It looks like they have high quality like cardboard cutouts, and everything's really colorful. So you're not paying for a bunch of miniatures, which is why they're able to streamline their yes. price a little bit. A lot of their pieces are wood,
0: and I actually uh, did the wood carver pledge on the last one and got all wooden money tokens, uh, which I do not regret at all. I apologize for
2: nothing. <laughs> you, you can see, even you were the, watch the game. Your guru here mm-hmm. and so for me as somebody who's who's ignorant to this side of, of board games and the, the design and the kickstarters and everything um i think that i was just ignorant to the fact that there are there's such a uh seeming seems to be a pretty uh, bustling community of those that'll back these games seeing these board games mm-hmm. with goals of you know um you know, $35,000 that have made hundreds of thousands of dollars from backers. I think that that's just really impressive to see. I think that's a bit of culture that I didn't realize as somebody who's ignorant to that side, to the board game board game side to see that that's out there. I think that that's really cool.
1: So I have an interesting follow-up question, Drew. Uh, Is there a community like that for indie films? Are there websites where people have trailers for shit that they want to get made? Like, you know, 50, twelve minute pilots where they're looking for backer backer money. Is that is that a thing?
2: That's a that's a good question. I mean I'm sure there there are there's I no fan the campaigns for movie. films.
1: I feel like um, that's what happened with that uh with Kung Fury. It was backed yes, on I think the that's internet.
0: how that yeah it was crowdfunded. Uh, mm-hmm. I actually backed uh Onyx the Fortuitous and the Talisman of Lost Souls. Uh, and he's a, a meme come to life uh, that became famous and he's making this movie uh, and it has very strong like uh, Ernest does Christmas vibes uh, and it looks really cool. I'm excited my name's gonna be in the credits because I paid enough um, and that so they are definitely doing it. It's definitely a thing whether or Think not it's prevalent.
2: The film side they manage you know some people will manage to get their their movies funded whether by tiny studios or by you know however they decide to get get their funds and then once the project is made they can submit it to film festivals and such and if it does get bought up by um you know, a small studio or distribution platform. It, you know, they can get it out there. The film community is just different. Um, they're very vocal. Um, film Twitter is a horrible, terrible place. Um, <laughs> sometimes you get good ideas and everything, but that's also where, like, you get the the Zack Snyder Snyder cut. Justice League hive oh, of people God. that are out there, you know, that are very outspoken about the things that they want and then, you know, sometimes they are heard and they get what they want which is pretty fascinating to see um, not to get into that too much with the Snyder Cut and Justice I, League I, I but do not want to talk about it.
1: <laughs> I'm i like so the, mad I like when fans are heard and they get to see what they want to see and honorable shout out to the Sonic movie mm-hmm. That had the shitty-looking Sonic, and then they took it back and redesigned <laughs> it and re-released it, and it showed to be a huge fucking hit, man. That movie was a huge hit with kids. It, uh, it was they're going make a yeah. Sonic too. It wasn't for me. I wasn't the target demographic, and I thought it was a piece of crap. But it was for kids, and the, it was uh, a fine kids
0: movie. The original, the original model looked like uh, the kid from Jumanji after he got turned into a half-ape. That's man, that first like
1: to me. The first Sonic looked bad. And, you know, and the studio, listen, that's my whole point, is this social media age, if you want the studio to hear you, uh, say something. Tweet something. It'll take, like, 30 seconds of your time, and before you know it, you know, 200,000 people might have liked your tweet that Sonic looks like shit and they need to take it back to the drawing board. Uh, because that's that's what happened, man. Public opinion crapped all over that.
0: Oh, that's cool. This Kickstarter yeah. has uh, board games in a minute doing a playthrough. Uh, and she is also one of my mutuals on TikTok.
2: That's funny. Other thing I'll say is, you know, I agree. Tweet out the things that you want. Tag those people. You know, if you're being kind and respectful and wanting the things that you want, I don't necessarily think you should just berate them for not making the thing that you want. But that being said, also if there's something that you like, tweet at the person to just tell them that you liked their thing.
1: It doesn't all have I, to yeah, be good negative. Thing to yeah. do. I did that with uh, Stuber, and the, the the writer of Stuber and I are now friends on Twitter, and we have had many exchanges. In fact, I gave him some recipes to how to make my barbecue ribs during the uh, during the 2020 election. He was like, I can't fucking focus. Somebody tell me some good news. And so I walked him through how to make barbecue ribs on Twitter. That's pretty funny.
2: <clears throat> if I not heard that story, that's a good story.
1: Yeah, man, it's uh it's good news. So yeah, that guy and I are I mean mutual friends at best, right? I don't think like he would maybe I don't think he'd hang out with me in real life, but I you never know. You never know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Actually. So, tweet people. That's Drew to Drew's point. Tweet people. Tell them they did good work. I liked I love Stuber. That's why I tweeted him. That's why I followed him. And uh, now we get along. We get along pretty decently. Uh,
0: and right before uh, right before we move off of Kickstarter, unless you guys want to add anything, but uh, we have one last one. Uh, we did a read through of these rules live last night. Uh, so you can go find that on our YouTube channel. Uh, we're talking about Defiant, and we read through the rules. We gave our opinions. Uh, it's from a, a a couple, a married couple in Poland. They have their own independent... It's an indie game. Once again, we love, shout out, indie creators. If you are one, reach out to us. Uh, but they were kind enough to give me their core rulebook, and... We loved what we saw. We were very surprised. Uh, they mentioned City of Mist in their book, which is cool. Uh, a friend of the show, creator of City of Mist, Amit Moshe, uh, messaged them on Twitter after we talked about it. It was pretty cool. Uh, and they, it's very much City of Mist meets World of Darkness, um, where you're playing these angels, demons, Leviathan-like people uh, that are trying to stay alive in a post-apocalyptic world in these sanctuary cities. Uh, And it's very cool. Uh, It has some mature themes, and they talk, uh, but the book itself talks about uh, inclusivity, uh, lines, and veils, which are all very big in the TTRPG community to make sure people feel accepted. Uh, And that's very cool. I feel like that that gives them huge points, especially in the uh, post TSR era. Uh, I feel like we all kind of need to double down. Uh, I will go as far to say, everyone's welcome at my table. I don't, We don't discriminate here okay. fresh out of the box. Uh, we love you, uh, trans women are women. All those good things, like, uh, I can't believe what happened with TSR. <laughs> but uh, Defiant goes a- ahead and they, they put all that stuff in their book about uh, inclusivity at the table and why so it's important. I would say,
1: for someone who hasn't played Vampire and someone who hasn't played... City of Mist. What this game is is you and your friends are going to sit down at a table. <clears throat> there are cards that have the different um, the different backgrounds, like whether you're a fallen angel or whether you're a risen demon. But basically, the apocalypse is happening. It already happened. And you are defiant of the rules. You are not apocalypsing the world. You're not doing it. You are instead choosing to live a mortal life as a fallen angel, not as a mortal, not as a human, as an angel or a demon. And so you have these abilities that are innate. So you'll sit down at the table with your friends, you'll get your different backgrounds. You will figure out what part of town you lord over and who your vassals are that answer to you and how many vassals you have. You'll figure out how many buildings you own and what those buildings are. You'll give those buildings descriptors you will be given uh, how the, the peril your kingdom is in will yeah. be on a card randomly. So you'll have all these cards that you're given to really help you get started with your adventure, including a spouse, because it's very kingdoms. It's very Game of Thrones-esque. <clears throat> and it's um, designed yeah, like, uh, in the book... You can have- it's a- a tv show you can
0: have like a reluctant spouse like where you didn't want to get married but you had to for like political reasons uh you can have like i don't know it, all kinds of stuff uh if you have played it's world of not, darkness
1: it it's reminds me classic sit down the table D experience where yeah. you make a character and you make a background and all that this one is here you draw these cards let's get started it's super narrative and you know if you don't like your wife in the game and it's a reluctant marriage and she's a bad guy who's plotting against you That's not just something like, I don't want my character to be married. That's a whole storyline. That's a whole three-season plot line, you know, of the intrigue and the backstabbing and the plotting, but there's a lot of great narrative there. So it's a super cool game, and one of my biggest regrets is that it's not very accessible to a one-shot. It really seems like you would best be suited to play that game out over... Uh, maybe 12 sessions or I think, so.
0: I think I actually could make it work for a one-shot, but it's definitely suited for episodic play, definitely. Like, they even say that in the book. Uh, but, yeah, this this uh, Kickstarter has hit, like, five times its backer goal already. 861 backers, four days to go. So if you're interested in TTRPGs at all, go ahead, give it a check out. Uh, give them some support. Help indie creators
1: create. Hey, it just got some money, so, hooray! <laughs> you know, funny. We were talking about it last night, and while we were reading it, it got money, and then we're talking about it today, and it got money. I'm not saying we're doing it, because it obviously makes money when we're not looking also, but it does make me feel good. It does, like, yeah, every
0: time we uh, talk about it, it makes money. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so that's all I had to say about Kickstarter. I love Kickstarter, I love GameFound, and I love crowdfunding. Uh, so expect more of that from these podcasts in the future.
1: Um, do we want to talk about, I, know, I don't think it's on Kickstarter yet. I know it's not on Kickstarter yet. Do we want to talk about Streets of Peril at all, or is it still too early to talk ah, about? It's
0: probably that? too early. Uh, but there is a game we're playtesting, Fresh Out the Box is playtesting, uh, Streets of Peril, which is an indie, uh, 3D6 system that... It's, it's very cool. It's very, um, it reminds me of Darkest Dungeon in the setting. Uh, I really like the setting and the gameplay so far has been very fun. And uh, we're actually helping uh, change the rules to that game. So definitely look forward to hearing about that in the future.
1: Yes, it's. They do have a Twitter. Their Twitter is straight up Streets Apparel. So their game is out there. They're putting some of their art out there, talking about their game design, looking for some more play testers. If you're interested and you want to yes. give some feedback on that game, if you are a gameplay tester, you want to be a gameplay tester, reach out to Kyle over there at Streets Apparel.
0: Tell him Fresh Out the Box
2: sent you. Uh, but yeah, moving on. Uh... You all want to know the only thing, the only thing that I've ever kickstarted. Do you, do you want yes, to know desperate. there's one project ever that I have given money to on Kickstarter and it was uh it was a video game okay and it was Yooka-Laylee. Oh yeah yeah is yeah. Kickstarter I gave them my money because I wanted more banjo kazooie and uh and it was fine Yeah
1: did, that's all I got Did you get more banjo kazooie
2: I got banjo kazooie in the form of yuka and laylee which are a uh, bat and chameleon duo. but are they is that
1: game like banjo kazooie is is all hell
2: yes oh yeah uh, same yeah.
1: same okay. same, uh, same creators i know it's the same team i just i didn't i didn't know if they delivered on their promise to be a uh, banjo kazooie because the way you said it was fine was like it was a, let, <laughs> it, so it was a letdown just wasn't like banjo you
2: know, It can never be banjo kazooie. They promised for sure. They gave what they promised, but it but it's just, you know, I don't know if it's that banjo and kazooie just worked better in the mid 90s when I played it originally or <laughs> ding, ding, ding. or if or yeah. if the game maybe wasn't that good. I don't I've know. I've played
0: Banjo-Kazooie recently and it's still fun, uh for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, actually Jenny uh backed ukulele on Kickstarter as well. Uh, And speaking, this actually reminds me, because I just mentioned Darkest Dungeon a second ago, that game was funded on Kickstarter. Uh, Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, it was a big deal. It was a big deal. Uh, And it became this cult classic, and they recently, uh, what do you call it, announced Darkest Dungeon 2, and I do not know if they're going to be Kickstarting it. They might just straight produce it, because that game was very successful. I'm actually awaiting a uh, board game version of Darkest Dungeon that cost me about $500 uh, yeah. on Kickstarter. Yeah, I'm very excited for that one. Expect to see that unboxing on Fresh Out the Box for sure. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I, yeah, I love Kickstarter. Uh, so before, uh, in the last episode, uh, we were discussing zombie stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, cause I, I don't know about you guys. I don't know where you stand on zombies. Uh, I loved zombies, uh, before like that incredible period of time where it was everything, where everything was zombies. Uh, and when that happened, uh, a lot of people got tired of it. I ate it up. I consumed it. I loved every single zombie thing. Uh, so many I cool zombie things out right now.
3: Burned
1: out of zombies after, uh, I liked Left for Dead, and I liked Dead Rising, and I liked the, was it uh, Dawn, Dawn of Day of the Dead, where they're in the mall?
2: That uh, was Dawn movie?
1: of the Dead. That's not Dawn of book. the Dead. I liked Dawn of the Dead. But after that, those were the three I liked. And I remember after that, I did not like Left 4 Dead 2 anymore. I was fucking sick of zombies. I did not like any of the Dead Rising follow-ups. I was fucking sick of zombies. I didn't like any of the zombie movies that came out after that. Um, I'm starting to, to go back now. I'm starting to be able to enjoy zombies again a little bit. But yeah, I was totally burned out. I know exactly what arrow you're talking about.
2: Not know Jahan was a zombie head. This is something that I'm I'm learning today. Yeah, I um, I love zombies. about Rob Zombie? Do you like Rob Zombie? Uh, Less than you would expect, actually. Uh, That's actually
1: a really good answer, because Rob Zombie has three songs that fucking rock, and then, like, 100 that are really unlistenably bad.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's good. Uh, I like his stuff. Um, His movies, though, I have mixed feelings about. I really like the original. Uh, His... His first Halloween remake, I really liked. The second one, I did not like. Uh, and then, like, House of a Thousand Corpses, you know, torture porn is fine and all. Uh, and people could say it's got, like, artistry. I don't know. But it's it's just not that great. It, I liked that better than um, The Devil's Rejects, though, I believe.
1: I like Devil's Rejects. I believe Rob Zombie is
2: doing a Monsters uh remake or yes. I'm not sure if it's a film <laughs> or a show but yes. I know he's tackling the Monsters next and he seems to be extremely passionate about it and it's actually kind of like wholesome the way that he's been posting about it it's, it might it's be
1: interesting. good might be good he, I don't
0: uh, have a problem with him uh, and I do sometimes enjoy his work
1: he puts on a hell of a live show. One of the best concerts I've ever been to in my entire life was a Rob Zombie show. Um, I absolutely loved that show, and it was a pretty small venue, and I wound up in the pit at the time, and I was young, and it was a good mosh pit, too. I've
0: only seen him live once. It was at, I believe, Mayhem Festival at the Woodlands Pavilion, uh, and he was old, and he uh, I think they were recording it so he did like 10 costume changes and it was hot and he's old and he was tired and like you could tell it wasn't very good. Uh, when I saw that I it was did not see him at his uh
1: was it with Bayou Theater now I think it was Verizon at the time the one in downtown Houston that's indoor and air conditioned. So there were (laughs) not those same issues. He was younger and it was air conditioned,
0: bro. Everybody at Mayhem fest that year. Like some of them were like from like, uh, the Netherlands and stuff. And they were like, it's so hot. How are you guys moving? We're dying. Cause we were going nuts in the pit, man. Uh, they had a mosh pit on a side stage in a parking lot on concrete, Uh, a lot of blood. Uh, there was a lot of blood. Some guy spit blood in my face. Uh, that was cool uh good times it, I, I I would mayhem fest again for sure uh <laughs> but yeah just, rob zombie yeah i i I don't hate him
2: take him or leave him. Um, Sorry to uh, derail the conversation no. from just regular zombies and not the <laughs> one who is zombie in name only.
1: I actually I will watch Rob Zombie's new show, which I think was an important thing to come out of that. I yes. think that's an important, new, relevant topic. So thank you for being able to figure that out for us. Um, the monsters show, oh, well, it'll probably be comedic, right? It'll probably have some... It'll have to be. It can't just be a, another mor- murder porn, like you said. So let's... I'm, I look forward to it with that aesthetic, with what he's got. And it could be a lot of fun. See him step out of his comfort zone of what he's been doing so far. Uh,
0: but yeah, uh, to answer what you're talking about earlier. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a zombie. Head. I love zombies. I love everything zombie. Uh, and right now, relevantly, there are uh, right now, black summer season two just came out on Netflix. And also they have a new uh, computer generated uh, resident evil. On Netflix as well. That looks very good, and I have not yet been able to watch. Uh, I just saw that today. Is it out? It's out. Yeah, it's out. Is it out now? Yeah, it released out. like a couple. Is days it a
2: series or a movie?
0: I think it's a series. Uh, okay. Oh, I thought it was a movie. Don't quote Little me shit. on that. Uh, <laughs> you know, I have, I have the internet, so let's find this out. Uh, but so that one looks very exciting. I love Resident Evil. Uh, I got in. My first Resident Evil game I think was actually 5. Uh, and I have since gone back and played the older ones. 4 is amazing. Uh love 4. And it's just yeah, Infinite Darkness, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's a series.
0: Yeah, it's a series. Yeah. Resident mm-hmm. Evil Infinite Darkness, uh new series it looks really good. Uh, and it looks like what is that Leon? Leon Kennedy? Uh it looks it looks like fire. And I played, I recently played the re-release, the remaster of Resident Evil 2, uh, which is really cool. Uh, I've always wanted to play in Raccoon City. That was exciting. I'm excited to watch this Netflix show, for sure.
2: I actually had been catching... On some video game backlog during the pandemic and I did tackle the Resident Evil 2 remake and it was very good and I played the Resident Evil 3 remake which is also actually pretty good It's I probably like 2 a little bit better 3 is still also really solid and then I did play uh, Resident Evil Village the 8th entry that no just way. came out cool. it was uh, good yeah I, I really enjoyed it and had some of the spookies in it, and sometimes I get spooked by the spookies. But um, but it was very fun. Uh,
0: yeah, so much of uh, what is it? Rule thirty-two coming out of that one uh, with the, the <laughs> giant, the giant hot lady. Uh, just every yes. every cosplayer and yeah, and their whole family dressing up like her. Uh, pretty cool, actually. Looks good, but um. Yep. Yeah, no, that game looks tight. I haven't played it yet. I want to. Uh, but there are a lot of other zombie games coming out, too. Uh, recently, re-release of Zombies Ate My Neighbors and Ghoul Patrol. I believe it's like a double pack. And those are originally LucasArts Studios games. But since Disney acquired LucasArts Game Studio, they kind of dissolved it. And I looked it up. Disney Interactive is actually uh, releasing this re-release of two of my favorite all-time games as a
1: kid. So they did release a couple last year, last summer, I guess, as sort of a, a test drive. I don't remember what they both were, but one was full throttle for sure. And I played it for about three or four hours. And it's awful. And I wonder how we played games like that when we were kids. <laughs> what an actual piece of shit. So Zombies Ate My Neighbors at Google Patrol, uh, they, they actually hold up. They're
0: very fun. And so that was Disney Interactive. I believe Full Throttle was actually uh, done by another studio. They, someone else acquired the rights. What is it? Ultra Fine Studio? Something like that.
2: gets a Double Fine. fine. Double, double Fine. fine. They're, which is now owned. They're actually part of the Microsoft family now.
1: And it's, um, it's not the same like thing. they made the game, you know. They just they just re-released it. They yeah. just touched it, or whatever. Well, so that it's not there. That explains why those
0: games are on Game Pass. That Microsoft owns it, because yeah, yeah. Uh, Day of the Tentacle, Full Throttle, uh, Grim and Fandango, or whatever. Uh, all those yeah, old classic yeah. LucasArts Arts games uh, re-releasing on Xbox Game Pass, and now Zombies, Ate My Neighbors, and Cool Patrol. Uh, releasing on Switch and a bunch of other consoles, so it's not on Game Pass, but I'm definitely going to pick it up. Because, my God, I love those games so much.
2: Just to age us, I have memories of playing Zombies Ate My Neighbors back on Sega Channel, if you remember Sega Channel back in the day. Oh, where I, I remember
1: I Sega Channel. That's I where
2: I played Zombies Ate My Neighbors.
0: I had a Super Nintendo, and that's where I played it.
1: So, there was a Nintendo in my bedroom, and the Super Nintendo was in Thomas's room because he was older. But then we got... I got older. And, well, not older than him, obviously. That's not how age works. So, the next system was a Sega Genesis. So, it got to be in my room because he already had the new system, so I got the new new system. So, I had Sega Channel in my bedroom when I was in, like, first or second grade. That's And awesome. I knew how spoiled I was at that time. I got every single one of my parents' fucking dollars worth out of that Sega Channel. I played everything. I played the My Little Pony games where you collected balloons. I played the Winnie the Pooh adventure games. I played Bonanza Brothers. I played like Sarge's Heroes or whatever that battle game was, the turn-based fighting game. Man, I played it all. Uh, It was on there. It was getting played. And that's why I love Game Pass Ultimate. Best deal in gaming. I'll say playing
2: time. playing all those games meanwhile on my Sega Genesis or Sega channel occasionally zombies ate my neighbors but I played a lot of Clax uh, I don't just just look up Clax if you get a chance it is a a like Tetris style brick stacking game uh, where you match the colors to get rid of them. K L A X, I believe, is how it's spelled. Clacks. I don't but, even
1: know. Like you didn't even tell us how to spell it, but I knew how to spell it. I spelled it right. <laughs> I already Googled or binged it. Clax, Common spelling. K L A X. Obviously.
2: Just check out Clacks. Not to be. I believe there that's it how it's spelled. Not to be confused with the uh, airport.
1: Oh, we so had the, the, the
2: TV station in L.A. The,
1: we had the X Men arcade game. Alex. We had we had the Ninja <laughs> Turtles side-scrolling beat 'em up. Uh, we had like Sonic and Knuckles with the Game Shark that you could plug your uh, into the top. Boom! Remember the old Game Sharks? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. Uh,
0: my big my big games. I was Super Nintendo. Uh, my big ones were Zombies and My Neighbor's Gold Patrol, uh, Super Mario, and the Seven Stars uh, Mario RPG. That, that game was so good. It's still good. It's still good. That game holds up. Um, off the top of my head, that's what I remember. Oh, no. I feel like there's definitely more. But, yeah, I loved those games growing up. I didn't have Second Channel. Second Channel sounds like it was pretty dope.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, there was this dope game where you played as Grover, and he was a waiter, and that game
1: ruled. Dude, you are not kidding. That game did rule. And I also, I'm looking at Zombies Ate My Neighbors. I played the crap out of that game. It was co-op. Thomas and I used to play that co-op. game together.
0: It is co-op. It's couch co-op. They have no online play, which is disappointing. Uh, but, hey, what are you going to do? Still a couch co-op. Uh, Ghoul Patrol the same way. Ghoul Patrol is pretty cool. I just, I, I love those games. You get to fight all kinds of monsters, not just Zombies. Uh, everything and anything, animated dolls, werewolves. You get to become werewolves. One of the first like major bosses is like a giant three-story like baby, <laughs> which is pretty fun. Uh, I don't know. I love when you get to the aliens part, actually.
1: Um, and that's so. Those those are coming out. When are those coming out? Are they already out? They're
0: out. Those are out. Okay. Uh, and I was going to
1: say. So, go ahead. So real
0: quick, while we're still on Game Pass and zombies, uh, back for blood, right? Uh, the spiritual successor to Left 4 Dead. I am so excited. Four player co-op, zombie shoot 'em up, everything I've ever wanted. Uh, I'm so excited. And that's going to be day fun. one Game Pass.
1: And they pushed it, it back and tough. pushed it back. I think it was supposed to come out in March, and then it was supposed to come out in maybe June and now it's been pushed back for an October release, uh, you'll get no complaints out of me. Whenever a studio wants to push their game back to put some polish on it, no problem. Yeah, don't and release And especially when you're releasing Back for Blood for free day one on Game Pass, and it's an October release just in time for Halloween, uh, couldn't be any better, man. I got no complaints. I think that's going to be great timing, and I'll totally be vibing and in the mood to play it at the time. Exactly. I'm so excited. Uh, so excited.
0: Before that, though, actually, there's another game, a three-player squad shooter, called Aliens Fire Team that's coming out. Uh, that was a surprise. I did not know that was coming out. And that's coming out before Back 4 Blood, and I'll probably be buying that game.
1: I didn't watch the trailer for it, but I assume it's got some kind of Deep Rock Galactic type of vibe?
0: Uh, maybe. I don't know. It seems like it has more of a horror, like... Uh, well, yeah, kind of for sure. Yeah. But...
1: Uh, I mean you're running around pouring down just tearing down squads of xenomorphs or are you running away the whole time
0: I think you're in- tearing down squads
1: of xenomorphs yeah that's what I'm thinking too
2: that's that sounds exciting to me um, it's that's one I haven't been following too closely I feel like the alien games like specifically the the movie spin-off alien games have been very hit and miss uh I believe it was Alien Isolation was the one that came out a few years ago that actually was was kind of good. where We were hiding from the alien. I hear good things. Although it was that. way too long, it was way too long of a game. But I feel like some of the other like first person shooter, they've just been pretty hit and miss. So I'll be interested to see if this one um, is a change of pace and and with the qualities, I'll be checking out for reviews on that one. I don't know if I'm gonna.
0: Think uh, yeah, about. two things about that. Uh, first off, Alien Isolation also free on Game Pass. Uh, and then Fireteam actually looks like they're going to be getting things back on track. It looks
1: I'm like it's worried. going to be good. I'm worried that Fireteam is going to be like Second Extinction. And right. if that's the case, it's not going to be worth a full price game.
0: Fair enough. Yeah, so but Second Extinction is know. a preview, though.
1: It is, but I will reserve my judgment until it comes out, because that's what I expect it to be the most like, is Second Extinction.
0: Okay. Yeah, I'd be upset if that were the case.
1: Yes, same. I think it's a really cool premise, and I'm excited. We'll keep our eyes on it, um, but I'm not sure if that's a day one must pick up for me until I until I know that it's not going to be a letdown. I will probably grab that one for sure. Actually. Well, I'll, I'll <laughs> let you. T- I'll I'll wait a few days and let you tell me if it's terrible. Yeah, or I'll not. be the guinea pig. Speaking of games coming out that are, the uh, Orcs Must Die three. Oh my god. It's our- It's already out on Stadia. It's been out for Stadia for almost a year, but Stadia is nothing and nobody has it. So it comes to Steam at the end of the month and also Xbox and I think PlayStation. It's cross-play from Xbox to PC um, but probably only if you pick it up in the Microsoft store, because that's how usually that stuff works. Usually if you buy it in steam or in the Epic store, you can't cross play with Xbox people. You have to buy it through the Microsoft store on your computer. It sort of works in an Xbox emulator type of way from what I understand.
0: Yeah. So Orcs uh, Must Die. I'm a huge fan since the first game.
1: Uh I think we're picking it up for PC is my point.
0: Yeah, probably for PC. I'm definitely very excited for it. Uh It looks like it, I mean, it's definitely co-op. I don't think it's going to have three-player cop. It'd be really cool if it did. Um, but, oh, my God, all the different traps and stuff they're releasing, all the things they're announcing. I still play Orcs Must Die, too, to this day.
1: Uh, I haven't played any of the Orcs Must Die, and it's only because I never had a decent computer. But I really like the concept. Drew, do you know what, how Orcs Must Die plays? Do you know what the game is like at all?
2: I don't, I was watching the trailer in the window here a little bit, but no, it's, I'm not uh, familiar.
1: So they it's co-op, and I think it used to be three or two, or you can play by yourself, so but the, it's like a big fucking, yeah. it's a tower defense game where it's a grid, and you can build traps on the grid, and towers, and walls, and you play as heroes that have abilities. And so you build, you set up your traps, and orcs attack, and then you get money, and you level up, and you make more traps, and yada, yada, go, go, but turn that up. Times ten, crank it all the way up. Uh third person action puzzle, tower defense, skill based yeah. hero. It's just seems like such a great time. And it's again, it's not one of those games that comes out at sixty dollars. I think it's a thirty dollar game. Yeah, I think
0: it's thirty dollar game. Uh yeah, so the first one, single player, second one, co-op, third one's definitely at least co-op. Uh, and yeah, it is a third person action game and where you can lay traps actually when Fortnite was first released. It was actually this style of game. It was a build a base, build traps, um, defend against zombies game back in the day before the uh, the battle royale mode came out. And so this game, I mean, I've been so excited for this game for years. It is one of my favorite franchises. And you just get, you can put traps down, watch orcs die. They're trying to escape into the, the mortal realm. Uh, so you have to protect your rifts. Uh, And if so many get out, you lose kind of thing. And yeah, fun co-op action, just great game all around.
1: That sounds super fun. I'm thinking if I pick it up through the Microsoft store, I'll be able to play it on my Xbox and my computer and be able to cross play with anybody who gets it. So that's probably my, my bet. When, and when does that come out again? I think it's the 20 somethingth of this month, Right month, right, right at the end of the month. Which, I think it comes out maybe the 22nd, and then The Ascent comes out the 28th. The Ascent, I think we talked about during the first episode of this podcast. It's, uh, it's a Game Pass game, it's a cyberpunk game, it's a shooter game, it's an RPG. We, we're we interested. It's flagged, we've got it pre-installed, and we're probably going to play it together.
0: Yeah, I'm very excited. Very, 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 very excited. Oh my god, so excited.
2: So, oh, um... Talking about favorite games, if y'all don't mind, I'm going to switch gears here, because yeah. I actually, um, if y'all remember, back in mid-May, they released the Mass Effect Legendary Edition, which yeah. came with all three version, all three of the original Mass Effect games, not uh, the newest Mass Effect Andromeda. Um, but I had only played the first Mass Effect back when it first came out, I think back in 2007 is when it came out. I think I was... I remember being in my dorm room in college playing that game so, so eight to to just there and then uh, the second one came out and I played it I think a couple times I played the third one when it released but I only played it that that one time so I was eager to jump back into the legendary edition. Knowing myself, I didn't know if I was going to play through all three games. I figured like I'd play the first one and maybe some of the second and then lose interest, but I uh, to my own surprise actually ended up playing through and beating all three Mass Effect games here in about the past uh, month and a half. And uh, boy, those games are 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 super fun and still hold up. Um it they really do play out like a film trilogy the first one does such an amazing job of setting up all of the lore and some great characters and this cool world and i think it's the most interesting from a story standpoint the second one kind of beefs up the action and it's really just a a series of missions Uh, that deal with your teammates and the loyalty missions. If you've you've played those games and you're familiar, you know, you're hitting the loyalty of all your different squad mates so that at the end you could do a big suicide mission and based on the loyalty of your squad determines if they uh, end up living through that big suicide mission or not. So I think that's an interesting concept. The third game just becomes this huge all-out universal war uniting all of the different... um, alien races fight um a a threat that threatens the destruction of the entire universe basically and um you know it's, i think that some of it kind of almost crumbles under its own weight for a video game it's just such high stakes uh, but it's still really fun but man i i really enjoyed my time with the first one i enjoyed my time with all three of them i think the first first one was the most memorable for me but yeah if you like me are a fan of the mass effect games uh you really can't go wrong with picking up the legendary edition for 60 bucks that gives you all three games that have been tweaked and and updated a little bit so that they really all flow from one to the next they don't feel all that different from each other when you're playing um and for anybody who's who's wondering, uh, because this is what people really care about when it comes to the Mass Effect games, I played as a male Shepard um, mm-hmm. in the first game. I kissed uh, Liara, and she is a, a <laughs> blue lady alien. And She's then in the second game... Sorry. Yeah, yep, in the second... In the second game, I uh, decided to go. You know, I turned my bad boy self on, and I and I kissed Jack, who's the biotic bad girl with tattoos all over. As she is. Um, That's the
1: one I, I know. Sure, she is. And
2: in, in the third game, it was. Uh, you know, I had the option between um, uh, uh, rekindling my love with Liara from the first game, or um, you can you know hook back up with jack again um i did the wrong thing and tried to do both uh simultaneously uh liara really did not like that and so um i ended up being with jack you in the end so know. that's i know that's the stuff that's the stuff that people really care about Dang. so i just had to get that out get that out there. that's
1: when your video game turns right into a telenovela and it goes off the chain yeah uh, totally I,
2: I only really ever played
0: the first one, so I also am looking forward to getting the Legendary Edition.
1: Um, I loved the Mass Effect series. I was a huge Mass Effect head. I've played them all, including Andromeda, and what what Drew described about the first Mass Effect and how it sets this stage to be played in this awesome sandbox, this great lore and all these races. Uh, when Andromeda starts, the humans have to dish the galaxy because it's too late. So everything gets wiped away and you start in a new galaxy with none of that shit anymore. None of the aliens, none of the (laughs) the Citadel, none of the lore. They just like scrap it. And they're like, people hated Andromeda. Andromeda wasn't awful, but that was the biggest crime they committed was there was no reason to trash your fantastic fucking universe. What are you doing? Um, And the mass is the, that would be like, if you know, the, 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 Episode one of Star Wars was like, yeah, no, this uh, this universe is in a different universe. We'll get to the Star Wars universe at the end of the prequel. Then well, the I mean,
0: Star Wars, Wars. kind of
1: does a lot of stuff. Um, but I was gonna say, I I love Mass Effect games, and they literally get worse in the order that they're released. One is the best, two is a little bit worse, three is a little bit worse, and Andromeda is worse. That being said, one, two, and three are all very, very good games. They're yeah, like eights. They're eights and nines. They're fair. They,
0: they kind of uh, kill your whole hatred of re-release because they are not full price.
1: Yeah, that's right. It's three and it's three for one, and it's a re-release. So yeah. I, I didn't buy it because I'm not going to buy a re-release. But I can't talk too much shit about it. Um, the thing I remember about Mass Effect One, and I asked Drew when he was replaying it, was one of the mechanics was customizable bullets you could custom craft your bullets at a high level and if you did you could have ice bullets or fire bullets or like acid bullets and you'd walk into a room with a machine gun and everyone would just vanish they would cease to exist they would explode into flame or they would immediately freeze and crumble and you were very strong if you did bullet crafting but they took bullet crafting out of two they didn't bring it back for three it's uh, definitely didn't make it back into Andromeda but that still sticks out as such a cool game mechanic to me from one. Um, but the Mako driving scenes of one were really bad and boring.
2: <laughs> they're still... They're boring in the new one but i think they've improved the controls a little bit to make it uh just more manageable and then from the bullet crafting stamp i don't believe you can craft bullets in it but but you do pick up mods for your weapons and you know depending on the weapon you get a certain amount of mod slots so you can change it to have you know uh I can't remember what it's properly called in the game, but like, you know, you might have bullets that do acid damage or you have bullets that do fire damage based on the mods and you can get stronger mods to do that. But it is, you do start, you know, if I had a pistol with the acid mods on it, you just go through and light people up and they're melting or disintegrating. And it's pretty cool. Um, The other thing I'll say about those games before we, I don't want to, harp on it too long but there really is added benefit to playing through the trilogy like this um, one right into the other because when you play those games years apart as I did when they came out um, you lose sight of a lot of those small side characters that you come across on your missions and so many of those uh, end up appearing consistently through the later games like a character that you met as a you know helped you along one small quest in the first game shows up in a completely unexpected role in the second game and they'll be like hey remember when you helped me you know years ago thanks for doing that and you're like oh that's cool i remember them whereas <laughs> if you're playing the game those games two years apart you're like i probably helped that person but i don't remember you know what the stakes were or anything so i'd say that's another added benefit to playing them all uh back very to back true. to back very in the true. way that i did i think it took me about honestly for each game probably about 30 to 35 hours per that's game as a completionist for each of them so like probably about a hundred hours to play through all three games pretty thoroughly yeah i definitely i definitely Um, pick that one up yeah uh so anyway i will uh i'll toss it over to gary to talk about the other uh game on your list and then i think that what we'll we will do is i had uh mentioned that we would talk about loki i'll probably save that for the next episode because once we record next the loki series will have ended so maybe we can just do a full-on spoiler discussion of the series as a whole instead of talking about it now um we can talk about the last couple things on our list, and then end with a spoiler discussion of Black Widow, if that sounds good. To sounds good,
1: game. I was just going to run through that. Uh, you know what? What have we been playing? And I've gotten through most of what we've been playing. And there's some old titles too that I won't drag you guys through. But Chivalry Two is one of the most recent pickups that Jahan and I have made that we spent real so hard on. And it is a, a warning for graphic violence, of course. But besides that, it's a really fun game. It's first-person. It's the game we always wanted as a kid. It's instead of guns, instead of the golden gun and the P90, it's swords and shields and spears and bows and arrows and javelins, and it's medieval war, and it's a clash, and, and it's dirty, and it's violent. You get your arms cut off. You can cut off people's heads. You can pick up anything on the battlefield, so you can cut off somebody's head and then pick it up and then throw it at somebody. You yes. can throw any <laughs> weapon you have by slamming both your bumpers at the same time. A lot
0: of the maps have interactable uh, weather traps or siege weapons as well. Uh,
1: very the cool. Ballista and like battering rims to bust down castle doors. So some of the maps are <laughs> just team deathmatch. There's two of them that are team deathmatch and they're small arena maps. You just fight and die and that's it. Most of the maps are kind of a moving objective sort of yeah. situation, like you, your team spawns on the beach and the other team spawns outside the castle, and they try to stop you from pushing your siege weapons up the beach. Once you do that, you bust down the castle wall, they spawn inside and try to keep you from busting down into yeah, it's the castle. Like,
0: it's like tiered objectives, you hit one, you go to the next, you get more time after you complete
1: each one. Uh, yeah, I believe... So you'll use ramps to take towers, yeah. you'll use ramps to get into the castle, then you'll have to kill their lord and a player will end up spawning as like a stronger NPC version of a lord in the castle. And so it's just this whole thing that really gives you this different type of experience versus uh, a Call of Duty or uh, another type of first person uh, Halo or something like that. This is something that feels really different for the first time. It's great uh, stress
0: relief too, because you, I mean, man, chopping someone in half is very uh, therapeutic. I feel. Uh, a, you've had a long day.
1: I've had some anxiety playing that game and had to step away because it is a little violent, and you know there is tr- you know trigger warning for for extreme violence. But other than that, they're looking at making uh, matchmaking systems so that PC and Xbox people can play together across platform. Right now, there is cross-platform play, but not cross-party play. So they're going to add server functionality for Xbox users so we can find what server our PC friends are in and play together. So that's a positive step. They're looking at adding some kind of ranked system for the game and smaller squad-based matchmaking instead of just 32 or 64 players, which is what it is right now. So we're looking forward to smaller combats and ranked and better matchmaking. And I think that's my last note for Chivalry.
0: Yeah, I like it a lot, too. It's not even full price, so go ahead and check it out. It's definitely worth the $40. games
1: I'm going to recommend you are not going to be full price games if I can avoid it. I try to offer you some gaming on a budget or things that are on Game Pass, things you can look out for to to help your wallet, and things you you can play with your friends.
0: That's what we should call it, Fresh Out the Poorcast. Yeah, because we're broke. (laughs) (laughs) We are broke. So, Um, yeah, if you're broke and you're a gamer, we'll help you. (laughs)
1: We put the box in Fresh Out the Box because Jahan and I live in a box under a bridge together. Yes.
0: With
2: internet access. I had actually heard of Chivalry 2 because of you guys, but it does seem like that game kind of entered the video game pop culture zeitgeist here recently. It seemed like I knew y'all were playing it, but it seemed like it it had kind of gained some steam or popularity just in the gaming
0: community. A lot of people were playing it. Yeah, it's definitely got a following. Uh, Definitely worth a pickup, in my opinion. Uh, is there anything else on our list we need to go to before our I have, spoiler session?
2: I have one minor thing that I was going to talk about Absolutely. and it combines two of, uh, one of my favorite things. And one thing that people know, but nobody likes, uh, the first thing is movies. And the second thing is reading. Cause nobody likes reading books. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I love reading. Me too. Um, but anyway, uh, Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I don't know if either of you have seen the film. Have either of you seen the I film? I have seen the film. So this I is saw uh because the Tar- uh,
0: uh, me me and Jenny are both big fans of Tarantino, so
2: Perfect. So you might be interested in this. Uh I also saw it in theaters. I, I loved it. I'm a a big fan of that film. For me personally, it probably Um, ranks among Tarantino's better movies, in my opinion. But uh, he actually, Tarantino himself, wrote a novelization of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood that just came out uh, at the end of June. And so this is the first novelization of any of his movies that Tarantino has done. This book is written by himself. I have it right here. This is my copy of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It is literally, you know, about the size of of my hand it's a small little book um i'm listening to some interviews with with tarantino here recently which by the way quentin if you're listening to this feel free to to message us you know uh hit me up on twitter i'm, I'm happy to sit down and talk to you Absolutely. about your book um so anyway um no it's he's just a fascinating guy to listen to talk to about movies and such but he said that um when he was growing up as a kid, you know, in the 70s, you went into a drugstore and near the counter on a rack, you would either have some comic books or you'd have film novelization. So that's what was at the front, you know, cheap paperback, small books. um of whatever movie is playing in theaters, a lot of time those movies were actually written or excuse me, those novels were actually written by the screenwriter of the movies or, you know, that that was a common thing back then. So he took it upon himself that he wanted to write uh, this novelization himself, you know, for, you know, he said during the pandemic, he actually kept all of his film novelizations that he had collected from, you know, his youth and he was rereading some of them. Um, for inspiration he he did write it he decided to go with once upon a time in hollywood because it was his most recent movie there were things were fresh in his mind that he didn't get to put in the movie or things that he wanted to change um he said he originally sat down and was going to write reservoir dogs uh, as a book but then he changed paths so we'll probably get a reservoir dogs book down the line from tarantino i i would expect but yeah so once upon a time in hollywood this book is It's like a 400-page paperback. I'm about a quarter of the way through it right now. Um, It's it's pretty fun to read. And if you saw that movie, there are some things that are left um, a little bit ambiguous. And the book gives you some more clarification on that. Like, for example, uh, Brad Pitt's character, Cliff Booth, in the movie, it is it is left up to your imagination as to whether or not he got away with the murder of his ex-wife or not. The book maybe gives a little bit more uh, clarification on that topic. So if you're interested in that kind of thing, I would say uh, pick up a book. Can't go wrong for 10 bucks. Book by Tarantino himself. Yeah, bucks, if you like it's, movies, worth, uh,
0: it's worth it just for the picture of Margot Robbie on the cover. So, yeah. There yeah. You
2: go. <laughs> Yeah, if you like movies, you probably like Quentin Tarantino, and if you like Quentin Tarantino, you would like this book.
0: Yeah, I actually have uh, two Kill Bill uh, framed posters I stole from my older brother in my room. Uh, and then my younger brother has a the cover of Pulp Fiction tattooed on his arm. Uh, so me and both of my brothers love Tarantino's movies, and I guess him potentially as a person. <laughs> I actually saw, I think it was on TikTok, I saw a video, someone met him, uh, and they thought it would be funny to be like, hey, will you sign my feet? And then he thought it was funny too, and so he signed their feet, (laughs) Uh, which I thought was hilarious. He seemed like a good sport, he seems like a nice guy, I don't know, I would love to meet Quentin Tarantino. Uh, But yeah, so, speaking of movies, spoiler alert everybody, we're going to be talking about Black Widow
2: yeah say this will probably this will be the last topic of today's show We'll probably spend about the next 10 minutes talking about uh some black widow spoilers so if you haven't seen the movie yet feel free to uh pause go see the movie come back play and, and listen <laughs> to the rest of us or just listen to the audio podcast um when that's up and hopefully you can catch uh some of our
1: spoiler thoughts what on it is- now you want to listen to the spoilers first and then watch the movie. Then keep listening. You're more than welcome to do that. Just don't tweet at us
2: and complain about spoiling it if you actively, you know, took it upon yourself to listen to the spoilers.
1: What if you don't particularly care one way or the other and you're going to hear the spoilers anyways?
2: Then you might be a Gary. Okay. All
1: right. (laughs) I like this. Uh, But yeah, so I love. Okay. I actually really like the movie. We gave everybody enough time to leave. That's all I was trying to do.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, Everyone had enough time. Uh, But yeah, last episode we talked about we both more or less liked the movie. I liked it a lot. Uh, Mm -hmm. And we both agree Mm -hmm. that if it had come out when it belongs in the timeline, it would have been really good. Um, And I just... We got to find out more about her backstory. It's about time, you know. Uh, They've really been doing her dirty by not giving her spotlight like she deserves. Uh, more, you know. Let's focus on the female characters. Let's give them real stories. They're not just, you know, plot devices.
2: I think going into the movie, you, I knew just as a as a fan who, you know, kind of follows along. Obviously, uh, Black Widow died in Avengers Endgame. Yeah. This movie kind of goes back in time, but I'm sitting there thinking okay Florence Pugh playing um, I believe it's Yelena or Yelena I don't I can't remember the pronunciation of
0: Yelanda something like that yeah
2: yeah I think it's it's spelled Y-E-L-E-N-A so Yelena or or Yelena Um, Florence Pugh plays her sister in it um, and in my mind I'm thinking this is gonna somehow pass the torch um, from Scarlett Johansson to Florence Pugh and Florence Pugh's basically kind of going to be the new black widow moving forward in in the MCU. Me too. That's um, what I thought too. Yeah, and I think did it kind of does that. I think I, we we know for sure that that Florence Pugh uh there's going to be an upcoming Hawkeye series that will be on Disney Plus. Um I know that Florence Pugh right. is confirmed to be in it in some capacity. Makes this, a lot of sense. The in stinger the instinger for Black Widow uh, does shed some light. So, uh, so anyway, we'll talk. Well, I guess we'll talk about the instinger first because I think it's the biggest spoiler thing. Um, so, anyway, uh, for those who saw the movie, I, what you know is the the end credits tease is uh, Florence Pugh's character looking at the grave of Natasha Romanoff. Uh, uh, you know and. Uh, I guess, paying tribute to to her fallen sister. And uh, then standing beside her is uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, who appeared in the Falcon and the Winter Soldier series. Uh, Her character, Valentina, um, who has been sending Yelena on on missions of, of some sort. And the next mission is... Her to kill the murderer of her sister, the Black Widow, and shows her a picture of Hawkeye, Clint Barton himself. So implying that um, Pew's character will be hunting down Hawkeye and trying to kill him, which does set up perfectly for the Disney Plus show. Um, We know that... Julia, yeah, yeah, it was, it was. I was pretty, I was not expecting any kind of big reveal like that. So it was pretty exciting. You know, we saw her character in um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier as she was kind of recruiting the U.S. agent to be kind of one of her, her guys that she's, she's sending out on missions. And it looks like she's got her hands on, on Florence Pugh's character now. I can we can only assume that she's going to turn to the good side and not kill Hawkeye, but it's going to be interesting to see how that how that goes. Definitely, definitely interesting um, to see uh
0: yeah, it's going to be cool. She's obviously going to be working with um Agent America as well, uh the Captain America from Winter Soldier that preceded um the Falcon. And because he's also working with Julia Louis Louis Dreyfus's character, who I believe is
2: actually. I believe her character's name is.
0: Oh, go ahead. I believe Sorry. she's actually supposed to be uh, Miss Hydra or Lady Hydra, and so Ma-
2: Madam, Madam Madam Hydra. Hydra. That's what I thought too. They, I think they refer to her as Valentina right now, and she's got a long name. And I, I know that is a character in the comics, but I do think they're gonna it might be a a Madam Hydra reveal in the future. I think everybody's still kind of questioning what that's going to be. One thing I did research this because I was interested to see that this stinger was the planned in stinger end credit stinger for this movie. Um, You know, obviously, this movie was supposed to come out in May of 2020, so over a year ago. And this movie, originally in the release schedule, would have come out before The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So this was technically supposed to be Valentina's first reveal in this in Stinger. And then later you'd be introduced to her in The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Instead, because of the release schedule shakeup, saw her first in the Falcon and the Winter Soldier and then now in the Stinger. I think that, I, that actually worked to Marvel's advantage almost like a happy accident because I thought it was cool having already seen her character set up I in agree. the Falcon and the Winter Soldier and seeing her back here, kind of I th- felt like it had a little bit more weight to it. Yeah, um, definitely, definitely. Uh,
0: I, I think it's cool. I, it seems almost like they're setting up for, because uh, a lot of people are speculating that Secret War is going to happen um, what with the scrolls reveal in, uh, Spider-Man where Nick <laughs> Fury was being a person, you know, uh, all that kind of stuff. It seems like they're setting up for some sort of secret scroll invasion war, uh, with Hydra apparently still infiltrating the United States government because they cleared him out of S.H.I.E.L.D., but, uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus's character, uh, it works for the government. works for the United States government, I believe. And so it seems like they are still embedded. They're, it's it's hard. Once you cut off one head, two grow back. So it's just it's Thanks. impossible to get. They are just evil. You can't get rid of evil, you know. Uh, and it seems like they're setting up for secret, uh, secret wars. And
2: it was it was definitely a fun thing to end on yeah because it does seem like i think that was one of the biggest question marks for me going into the movie is what date will this movie have on the mcu as a whole because if this is just kind of a flashback origin story for black widow then how can we really see that have a greater effect later um i think that in stinger really did give us something but, yeah. but otherwise the movie itself really was just kind of a standalone thing it starts off right after civil war has ended it ends with uh black widow we see her with her short blonde hair you know basically going to get on the jet to go meet up with captain america and break folks out of the raft and and go start uh the process of avengers infinity war so it's like it it starts where civil war ends and it and it ends right where infinity war is going to get picked up so it's like I think that's the only complaint that I'd have about the movie is, you know, the showdown with the big villain, which the big villain of the movie isn't even real Taskmaster. Like Taskmaster is kind of the muscle throughout that kind of yeah. gets, gets in her way that she has to fight a few times, but really that's just the muscle for like kind of the man behind the curtain. Ta- who,
0: Taskmaster you know, was cool. Uh, because, yeah. Well, in the first fight uh, through the shield, All that good stuff, you know. Very Captain-esque. Which is cool because they do that with a lot of the Super Soldiers. The shields are a big deal. It's like a symbol thing for Super Soldiers these days in the MCU. But then, I was waiting. I was wondering if he was going to pull out the sword. The sword was pulled out. And I was like, yeah, fuck yeah. That was fucking cool. Um, It just very... That was an exciting moment for me. Uh, It's funny because Taskmaster, you know, maybe not the most prevalent character ever, but in the board games of the Marvel board games, he's actually getting a lot of play lately, and I thought it was funny that they finally brought him into the MCU, um, because he's in Disney, uh, Marvel Villainous, he's one of the playable characters, and he's also in the new one I just got, uh, Marvel, I forget
1: He's always been trickling around in video games, like in uh, Marvel Ultimate Alliance, he was trickling around. He was in some of the old Spider-Man games, and even in the most recent PlayStation Spider-Man game, Taskmaster side quests were a big part of the game, and he was very, very awesome in it. He was well-directed, and he was very cool, but his challenges were just a huge pain in the ass. Uh, That being said, you're right, it's good to see him get some screen time, because Taskmaster... He's, he's been around, man. He's done his time. I let was, him him some, some I was time.
0: worried that uh, they were going to do away with him. Just going to be a one and done. But they at the end, they do leave it uh, for, uh, open for a return. So, like, that's really cool. I was worried that they were just going to throw that character in the trash. I was like, that's a lot of buildup to just throw a character in the trash.
1: I um, that's the only other... I was gonna say I, like, I can't wait until we get Doctor Doom in the Marvel universe. He's one of my favorite villains, but I, we, can't, we can't get into that. <laughs> I'm looking at the time; like that's gonna have to wait. Yeah,
0: uh, yeah. So I'm actually, so I've been thinking actually that the whole multiverse of madness thing might give them uh, a way to just straight up bring Black Widow back uh, because I just like I didn't think about it before. They could bring any character they wanted back to life just from a parallel dimension. Uh, and I feel like
2: Black Widow, it'd be it's, okay to do. It sounds like from uh, with the next Spider-Man movie and then Multiverse of Madness, they're doing, they're, you know, multiverses in the title. They're doing a lot of dimension hopping. So it sounds like really those those couple of movies coming up will give them a chance to con anything in the MCU that they want to. Um,
1: uh, no you know, anything they want to change formers. or alter. But anybody who's been watching Loki, they're obviously uh, alluding to some multiverse of madness type of stuff going on. So we're we're definitely, mm-hmm. the ball's in motion all around the, the Marvel MCU for this.
0: Yeah, I can't wait to talk about Loki uh, on episode three. That's going to be very fun. Uh, probably the spoiler game yeah, will something. be episode four, though.
1: Yeah, that's Do, right. So, um, join us on Saturday the 24th, right?
2: Yes. Yeah, I'd say if you manage to stick around this long uh, and through our our spoiler discussion, yeah, in two weeks we'll we'll stream again. Probably look to hear us talk about Loki spoilers since the series will be done uh, by that time. I'll have seen a Space Jam movie. Probably expect to hear from me about the new Space Jam. Maybe about the new M Night Shyamalan movie will be out by then as well, called Old. Um, and maybe even Snake Eyes, the new G.I. Joe movie, if I decide to go see that. Those will probably be on my list. For I the was exciting. really excited for that movie when they
0: like said they were doing it after G.I. Joe came out, but holy crap, it's been years.
1: Uh- <laughs> we uh, will probably all, don't let me speak for the other guys, but next Saturday, we'll probably all go to an indie wrestling event, DZW Domination Zone yes. Wrestling. And uh, that'll be something. Oh, that we, is next weekend. Huh? <laughs> yeah, is that'll next be something weekend. we report back about and talk about how we had a great time.
2: Oh, boy, that's
1: gonna be <laughs> exciting.
0: We'll get to talk to you, uh, everybody, about it. If you're a local, if you're a local person, if you live in Houston, uh, Katie. It's gonna be out in Brookshire. Uh, DZW Wrestling. Just look it up. You could probably find the location. Uh, but we went once. A lot of fun. We're gonna go again and. Can't wait. Uh, but yeah. So did
2: you guys have any closing remarks? Mm -mm. This has been fun. I look forward to doing more episodes with y'all here in the near future. Uh,
0: absolutely. So, um, we, this is fresh out the podcast. Uh, we're going to be streaming live every, uh, we're going to do two episodes every other week on, uh, we're trying to do Saturdays and we're going to be releasing the audio split up into two episodes every single week. Uh that's probably gonna be coming to Spotify, I would imagine. Uh we're gonna work on that. That's we're gonna what I'm get gonna try for. And we're gonna yeah, we're gonna get that guys to you. You guys can find the links and all that later down the line. Uh thank you so much for watching. Uh tune in to fresh out the podcast for all your nerd culture news, uh toys, games, movies, comics, anything and everything that is uh nerd and fandom and cinema we will be talking about with each other here on fresh out the podcast and then check out me and Gary on our regular fresh out the box, TTRPG games talks, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So now we're streaming like four times a week and we love every minute of it. So thank you so much for supporting us. Thank you for being here and we will see you guys next, uh, next time.